Understand how important coffee in the morning is, right? Correct. I mean, you you understand totally, fully, completely comprehend that coffee is a big deal in the morning, and uh, <clears throat> here it is. And the reason I say coffee is such a good thing in the morning is I saw Melody's name and I'm going to just talk up Melody a little bit and Lori when she's when she's here which is most of the time but out last few weeks um, it's great to come to church and have coffee available is it not for those that are coffee drinkers they absolutely love it it is a great great thing people enjoy it and uh, so I just want to say to Melody thanks for the coffee this past Sunday morning made for a great, great fellowship up there on the hill at Aaron and Lori Littlefield's 
house. Uh, yes, it did. So, and I was picking on Susan a little bit uh, longer than back on 10-4. I'm just tracking this little thing called a little small little storm that's taking place there. Uh, and it might hopefully will be well past there by that date. But a little storm tracking up through. And uh, I just want us to be prayerful for our friends that are located uh, in Florida. I, I was uh, this morning looking at some of those, uh, looking at some emails, not emails, some, what do you call it, Facebook posts by, by a few of our friends and just noting where they're living and thinking about where they're living. And, you know, we could have people seeing some hurricane activity there where they live. So we just want to pray for our our friends in Florida uh, who will and some that live just about in the eye of things down there. Uh, and so we want to pray for our, our friends and family members in Florida uh, and in the South. Uh, by the time it gets up to Dahlonega, uh, it shouldn't be anything more than just really, really wet. Who knows? But anyway, uh, Lord, we do come before you this morning. Thank you that we could have a little chit chat about uh, daily things like coffee. But thank you that also uh, we can have the opportunity to pray together for people uh, in Florida who are uh, looking at, at a minimal tropical storm, probable hurricane. And we do pray for those who uh, are in the eye. We think of our friends, uh, several friends. We've got people like uh, the Starbirds uh, who are right there where it's supposed to make landfall. Uh, we have our our friends and family like the Deep and Brocks in Florida, uh, our friends the Millers in Florida, all people from our church. I think of my friends the Websters who are over there uh, on the other side of uh, Florida, but uh, thinking about the, how it could impact them as well. So we do pray for our many, many, many friends and family members who are in Florida. Watch over them. And Lord, I, I do want us to pray this morning also for my friend, uh, Dan and his wife, Jenny, as Jenny undergoes another round of uh, surgeries this morning, Lord, that you would just uh, watch over, guide the hands of the doctors and the nurses and uh, uh, anesthesiologists and, and everybody, uh, the whole medical staff, we lift them to you, Lord. Uh, and thank you for Dan and his work with the, the Army Ranger School. We just uh, lift them to you, Lord, as they uh, face this life's journey uh, together. Uh, we lift them to you in the name of Jesus. Uh, and we see also here others, uh, Jessica mentioning her sister in Florida and Walter mentioning Puerto Rico, uh, who was hit by the last storm. And now we have another storm coming. So, Father, where, where these storms are hitting, would you please um, watch over people and help your, your, uh, your church to be responsive uh, as it can be? Uh, to the various needs that will come as a result of these two hurricanes that uh, within a week's time, roughly a week's time, will have hit. So we just pray, Lord, hear our prayer for all these people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, and, and Susan mentioning yet Jed. And it looks like that far southern part of Florida will probably be okay. It, it's it's coming back in from the Gulf Coast Uh about central Florida from the golf course, uh, golf course, right? The Gulf Coast, and um, and so my that Miami, that Fort Lauderdale area down 
that whole southern part looks like it probably, other than some rain and whatnot, but the force of it looks like central uh, uh, Gulf Coast, Florida area where it will loop back in. So we just pray for our friends down there, uh, thinking about what's going on in their lives. We today are going to be in John chapter 4. Uh, we're looking at life of Christ. We're following things sequentially according to the uh, the way that uh, Thomas and Gundry believe that the order of things and how they see them uh, taking place uh, in uh, in the Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, in the Gospel of John. We tend to read it through. You read Matthew, then you read Mark, then you read Luke. But the Synoptic Gospel, what it does. Uh, is uh, uh, it, it puts things in the really in the order uh, that uh, that they believe that things happen the sequence and it puts the three side by side Matthew Mark and Luke the synoptic gospels puts them side by side so you can read the nuances of differences side by side in this uh, in fact let me let me bring up one so you can see you see the th- you see the three columns there and what it's doing, so it compares those three different translations, uh, not translations, three different Gospels uh, in this particular translation that we're looking at here, which is the NIV, uh, and it's very insightful. This particular page I've opened to, they look very similar in, ter- in terms of their word usage. Other places, as you're looking through Thomas and Gundry, it might be a lot of Matthew, a very little bit of Mark, and and a lot of Luke sometimes is different. It's just very, very helpful to know. Uh, so I, I just share that with you. Uh, but today we, we are in John, and, and particularly here in John, it's just John because this is this particular occurrence, historical occurrence that took place, only John records. It is not recorded by the other uh, gospel writers. So John chapter 4, Jesus and the woman of Samaria uh, is where we're picking up today. And I I will give some insight into this. John chapter 4, verse 1, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Uh, Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And I've mentioned this before, uh, one of the earlier chapters or earlier readings in this in the synoptic and the gospels talked about Jesus baptizing but it wasn't Jesus who baptized he had his disciples baptized John clarifies this and John would know uh, because John was there I mean John was one of those early followers of Jesus one of the original beginning uh, followers of Jesus so he knew he was right there he was eyewitness and he would say look <laughs> I was down there doing it Peter was down there doing it Andrew was down there doing it you know Jesus was talking to people Jesus was interacting with people Jesus was teaching people we were baptizing people so it says the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples when the Lord learned of this he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee now we had to go through Samaria now th- that is a very 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 telling little uh, phrase there because something that you wouldn't know just by casually a very cursory reading of this 
text is the fact that the Jews didn't go through Samaria. The Jews always went around. Now, Samaria was was kind of in a central place in uh, Israel, uh, and the Samaritans were viewed, and I'm going to make it this crass, they were viewed by most Jews as being half-breeds because of some of the intermarriage that had taken place among some of the Jews and some of the captors or some of the people who were living in that area. Uh, So the Jews said, we're going to stay away from the Samaritans, uh, and they literally would take the bypass around Samaria. Um, They would not go through, even though it, it would have been a lot faster for them just to travel right straight through Samaria and it's like traveling around a big city, right time of day, middle of the morning, like 3 a.m. or something. You you might go faster right through the, the, the middle of the town, uh, like Washington, D.C. or New York City or Boston or some town uh, like that. You might go faster right through the middle of the town at the right time of day. But the wrong time of day, that's the last place you want to be, so you would take the bypass. It had nothing to do with speed. It had everything to do with disdain. There was great disdain between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when it says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria, that meant that he intended, he had purposed, he had a reason, in fact, when it says in John 4, 4, he had to go through Samaria, it's because he had a divine appointment. Jesus knew that this woman would be at the well. Uh, Jesus knew he needed to, to talk with, with Samaritans. Jesus knew how a town was going to respond. Um, it was a divine appointment. And friends, you and I need to be thinking about divine appointments, asking God to give us divine appointments to be able to speak to people on behalf of Jesus. This was a, and what is a divine appointment? A divine appointment is a meeting that God sets up between you and another person. You don't set it up. God sets it up. God establishes it. God makes it work. Uh, God gives you the opportunity to share Christ. God gives you the opportunity uh, to, to engage somebody with the gospel. It is God who is behind it. I've talked before about the, the book um, Watch, uh, Pray and Watch by my friends Neil and Judy Brower. It's a very simple book, uh, but basically the title says it all. You pray, ask God for the opportunity, share Christ, and then watch for the opportunities, and God will give them to you, and God will make them divine appointments. Now, sometimes the divine appointments have to do with, with sharing the gospel. Uh, sometimes divine appointments have to do with... Um, uh, ministry partnerships. I've, I've got a 10 o'clock meeting this morning with a guy uh, who uh, uh, runs a ministry called Jerusalem uh, Eternal Tours, Jet Ministry. And, and really, it's Jet in the sense of, I mean, they're a flight company. They they work with airlines and tours and things like that. And uh, we're talking this morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, I've not met the gentleman before, but we're going to be talking about this uh, and have to believe, okay, this is a divine appointment. Do you look for divine appointments? Are our, our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes tuned to say, hmm, God has given me a divine appointment? Sometimes it's a divine appointment about business networking. If you're a Christian and you're asking God to do such things, perhaps God will give you a divine appointment related to business. In this, the divine appointment had the most uh, overarching of ramifications. 
business deal and networking, that, that's a good thing. We need to do those things. That's how business works. It's, it's even, I mean, it's even how the church was established, networking between people. Um, but the greater aspect of, of the networking or the divine appointment is the eternal is seeing people pointed to Christ. And so in John chapter 4, when it says he had to go through Samaria, this is a divine appointment. This is this is people being pointed to Jesus, particularly this woman. But then we're going to find out as we work our way through the chapter, a whole lot more people. And it says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son. Jacob's well was there. So this is an old, 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 old well. Um, Jacob's well. I'm thinking about wells this morning uh, for different reasons. But anyway, he, he, came, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So there was Joseph, the coat of many colors. You remember back in that story, you can go back and, and read this story. Uh, Jacob had the well that was there. Uh, and it says, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So, I mean, you, you might look at this as, you know, uh, you could say noontime, perhaps. And uh, so it's the sixth hour. Jesus is there uh, sitting by the well. Just it says he was tired. I mean, there, there's a human aspect that we don't want to miss here when it says Jesus was tired. Uh, just the reality of of his humanity. Uh Walking around in human flesh, he got tired. Uh, walking around in human flesh, his uh, maybe his feet hurt sometimes. Uh, maybe he got blisters from his Teva sandals. Uh, I don't. I say Tevas. That's a brand. And anyway, uh, but um, maybe his feet had blisters sometimes, or or maybe he didn't. He got a little bit dehydrated, or any of those things that you and I can experience. Jesus could experience the same things as you and I. So it talks about him being there. He was tired. He sat down by the well. It was a sixth hour. Uh, and it was a time of day that was maybe a little bit later in the day because maybe at the fourth hour, lots of other people would have come out to drill to draw water up from the well a little bit earlier. This divine appointment was set that he arrived at a certain time when many people had already come to draw their water. And so now what happens in verse 7, it says, when he was there, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The reason I say it was a little bit later is because we will find out as we work our way through this passage that this woman might not have been popular. Other people if she approached the well, may have walked away because of her reputation. And her reputation was such that, that you know, she probably went out at a time, a point in the day when, when other people were not as likely to go out there. And the reason, again, just because of her reputation. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew whom he would encounter uh, Jesus knew whom he would uh, engage in this conversation, uh, and so she came out, and Jesus speaks to her. Now, 
the next thing about this, when it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? A, uh, I mean, men and women uh, in public should not be mixing in the way that, that they were mixing. That that was an understood cultural moray that was there, that, that men and women wouldn't mix in that type of a way. Not only was it a man and woman mixing, uh, him, him speaking to her, her engaging her, but then the next part is he is Jewish and she is a Samaritan woman. Those two things were two strikes. Sometimes for us, and, and what I want to say, sometimes for us to to strike out into the harvest field, what we 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 might go to some uncomfortable places. We might go to some places that we might normally go, might not normally go. We might talk to some people we might not normally talk to, uh, and this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Sometimes we tend to stick to our own, but here we see Jesus not sticking to his own. We see Jesus going to people kind of outside the tribe, if you will. Even here we begin to get the inkling that the gospel is for all people. Yes, while the gospel came initially and specifically to the Jewish people, uh, as we really dig into this, we understand that the gospel really is for all people people. So into back into the text, looking at what it says, uh, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And where were his disciples? Well, it tells us in verse 8, his disciples had gone into the local burger establishment. No, I'm sorry, that's a paraphrase. Uh, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Um, and we... Uh, so that's what they've done. I mean, whatever it is that they've gone, they've gone in to buy flatbreads. They've gone in maybe to buy some some little sardines, some little fish. They've gone in to buy who knows what they're buying. What whatever might be in town that they could barter for. They were going to buy food. I always modernize this and say he sent them for some burgers. Uh, and I don't know what he would be sending them for if if uh, they if he were sending them off for food in Kenya. I don't know what that would be. Uh, what what the popular food? What what do you guys all go if you go out to get food somewhere, uh, and and not just groceries, but if you were sent out for a, a, you know fast food, where would you go? I mean, here in America, you've got uh, McDonald's, you've got Subway, um, you've got places like that. You might go to the grocery store. For us, it's it's Hannaford's grocery store. You might go to the grocery store there in Kenya, uh, but just to think about where would you go. Uh, if if the disciples were sent out to get some food, they had gone into town to buy some food. So it's just Jesus who is left by himself by the well when this Samaritan woman approaches. The Samaritan woman said to him, verse 9, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. And how can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Um, we've already talked about that reality. Uh and the two things, Jews and Samaritans, men and women, uh, and beyond that, the fact that this well uh, should have really had the ownership of the Jewish people because it was a well provided by Jacob to Joseph. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, now we begin to see Jesus here uh, mixing uh, mixing the metaphors together, beginning to, to do um, 
his his object lessons. And this is exactly what he does. He's looking at the water. Now he's teaching an object lesson. Uh, he's talking about the living water. What is the living water? He himself is the living water. Uh, and, and if you knew the gift of God uh, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That That's what we just read here in the passage. And she responds and says to him, Oh, that'll help. There we go. Says to him, Sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And speaking, he's pointing to the well water and says, everybody who drinks this water, the water in this well, is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get much past this particular thought today, but he speaks about not being thirsty. And yet in other places, he talks about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we hunger, that we thirst for righteousness. But but yet the other side of it is he is saying of himself, he will bring soul satisfaction. We look all kinds of places for soul satisfaction. We look to our bank account for soul satisfaction. Uh, we look for a, a place to go and eat out for soul satisfaction. Uh, and um, we look uh, for a vacation for soul satisfaction. We look for soul satisfaction in all kinds of places, but Jesus says, I will satisfy your soul. And it becomes a spring of water. And notice what it says. It says right here in verse 14, it becomes a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I have to ask you, have you experienced this spring of living water welling up to eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Has it sprung up? Uh, maybe you're in a place where your well has lost its prime, and it needs to be reprimed. The water's in the well, but for some reason, something caused you to, 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 to lose the, the connection. Get reconnected. Get your well reprimed. Get get reconnected to Jesus. Uh, check the check the level of your pressure tank. Do all of these things. The pressure tank, you know, water systems. Most often, there's the well. There's a pump, uh, and, and then there in, in modern uh, well systems, there is a water tank, a pressure tank that keeps your lines in your household pressurized. And if the pressure is off on the well tank, uh, then that means your faucets could spit and sputter and, and different things like that. Uh, all this illustration that we can talk about, I, I just want to ask you, has the well sprung up into eternal life? We have some friends that have a well uh, and it's artesian well that, that there's a well pipe that goes down to uh, to the water, but the, there's so much water in this well, it runs out over the top of the pipe and like down into a stream constantly. It is a very, very, very good well. And uh, 
Uh, and so I, I just want to ask you the question. I mean, is, is your well pipe overflowing? I mean, it isn't like, is there enough? You're trying to shine a flashlight down in there. Is there enough water in this well? No, this well that, that Jesus is talking about is a well that just kind of almost like a, a, a like a geyser coming up, or it's an artesian well that just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles up over the top. That that particular household that I'm thinking of is down in Northport. Uh, or if you're going from where we live up toward Bangor, there's the place uh, on Moosehead Trail, uh, just about uh, to the intersection of, it, it, it. what is that? It's not, is that Dixmont over there, 202 and, and Route 7? And, uh, uh, where people stop and get water, it runs all the time, that, that you and I in our relationship with God would be so connected and so drawn into him that this well springs up. And just the idea, it becomes, as it says here, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Oh, Lord, may that be me. May that be us. May that be me and my friends here this morning that in our lives, you would just be springing up, springing up, springing up. And, and, and not that we keep needing to get eternal life, but the idea that, that eternal life flows out of our life into other people's lives, that you use us to uh, to have that type of an impact, that the joy of the Lord flows through us that the word of God flows through us, that the life in Christ flows through us, that the love of God flows through us, that, that, that in us, Lord, may it be true that you spring up in us, welling up to eternal life. Lord, make that true of your, of your children, we pray, that we would just spring up to eternal life that way. Um, so I, there's a story over in the uh, in the comment section. So let me take a look at this. It says, uh, uh, last week I was in Waterville. This is our dear sister Nell sharing. I was in Waterville. And while shopping, I thanked the cashier for being there, for coming to work. And that's a big thing in our day where people don't show up for work. Uh, we went through a... Uh, I forget what day it was. Wendy and I went through, it was Saturday, went through a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I wanted to get a matcha latte. And the guy says, I don't have any matcha latte. So I said, how about just a latte? Thanks a latte. And, uh, it was a little bit slow. And we get, we get up there and it's like, you're working by yourself today, aren't you? You're taking orders and fulfilling the orders. He went, yes, I am. And he just talked about how people just don't want to show up for work. And I, I thanked him, tipped him a little bit extra. Let's let's continue the story here that's in the comments that all of you can't see. If you're on Facebook Live right now, you can see it. Um, so I thanked the cashier for being there for coming to work. She told me thank you. And that I had just made her day and that she had been called in the office twice that day because of strife. We need to encourage people who work to serve us in stores and restaurants. They don't have it easy. They are overworked because there's not enough workers. It was a divine appointment to, for me to be there at that time. For us to have our eyes open and to be thinking about those types of, how would God work through you? to be of encouragement. Uh, Wendy and I were in a, a, a up in Bangor running around doing things, and we stopped and got some food at uh, 
Buffalo Wild Wings. I was really hungry for some wings. And uh, our server was scurrying about and, and left her a little bit of an extra tip as well. Uh, just to be of encouragement, she did an outstanding job. We said we're in a little, little bit of a hurry. Bam, bam. We She had our, she had our uh, drinks. She had our... Uh, and within like five minutes, our chicken wings were on the table or, or something like that. Very quick, served us very, very quickly. And, and to add that type of gratitude can be a divine appointment. Still don't know what uh, the popular restaurants might be for people to go out and get food in Nairobi. Um, love to know that. Wink, wink uh, out to uh, Mizaki uh, just asking uh, if if he's able, he might not be able to respond to what I'm asking here. But, you know, the disciples went out to get food. Uh, we would run to McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts or Subway. That would be fast food for us. <laughs> or, or where we live, Moral General Store uh, would be where we might live to get fast food. Um, the disciples had gone out. And so this conversation is taking place between Jesus and and his uh, Jesus and this woman at the well. Now let's get back to the text. This this well springing up to eternal life. The woman said, "Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water." She still has not quite caught on to the fact that, that he is speaking uh, with an object lesson. But but she does say, "I don't I don't want to get thirsty and have to keep coming back here or back here to draw water." And he said, uh, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you said is quite true. So five husbands, depending on how you read this, there's five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. That's six. Now, what happened to all of these uh all of these husbands, did they die? Was it divorce? Was she unfaithful? You know, the, the husband that she has now, now I, I I could camp out a little bit on verse 18 here uh, and, and just talk about what happens to some people. I mean, they get married numerous times and things don't work out. And, and they finally say, why bother getting uh, married? Uh, why bother getting married? Because they die or why bother getting married because they leave me or they're unfaithful or they're these things do happen. And so sometimes we're very quick to want to judge people uh, who are in these circumstances, but we don't know how they've been affected. Now I'm not, I don't hear me to say, Hey, it's okay. Just go off and live together. I, I, I'm not trying to say that, but when you look at people's life circumstances, you see why people sometimes end up in that in that situation, especially older people, you know, you, you think of somebody that's lost their spouse and maybe not wanting to get married again. And, um, because they're saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 78 years old and I, I just don't see myself getting married again. Um, but some people do, but so we're not judging this woman and we have to be so quick to not judge, but rather to bring the love of God to bear, uh, on people. So he knew her situation, and she responds to him in verse 19 and says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem, and that was the teaching for the Jewish people. And uh, 
I, I'm just going to stop there uh, for just a moment because I want to go back over into the comment section uh, and uh, check out the comment. Uh, greetings to all you beloveds. I'm so passionate in reaching out, uh, reaching souls for Christ. I've been in the missions kingdom harvest for the past six years and would kindly request if there are those interested in the vineyard of God by winning souls, please kindly reach out to me. There's so much we can do together as a family of Jesus. Thanks. And just to just to think about that, um, the opportunity that we have to uh, to minister together, to work together, to pray together, to to share together in these types of ways, um, and we do need to think about the opportunities that are there. I I I think I probably really need to figure out some ways to get over to uh, to Kenya. Uh, and to other places uh, in Africa where I have regular uh, dialogue taking place. Um, not that it's about me, but but the, the connection is there, the network is there, so how can we work together? Uh, a few other things in the comments. Uh, Walter said, I pray every morning for divine appointment, that if we would pray for divine appointments, would God maybe give us the divine appointments? Jessica saying, a co-worker and I were praised by an elderly woman yesterday for being so patient with her and helping her. She told our manager. Of course, it always helps when they tell the manager. So, oh, and Claire's talking about where do they go. The Philippines, uh, Jollibee, or Jollibee, however you say that, uh, fast uh, Filipino food. Uh, and uh, Don saying his girlfriend loves Jollibee. And I, you know, I Still, where would we go in Kenya if we were going for, for food? If you were to go sit down and share Christ with somebody over a meal, where would that be? Um, so, yeah, the, the global. Here's the global aspect. Philippines, uh, Kenya, uh, America. Then we've got all kinds of places in America from New York today to um, down to, uh, to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And before long, be down to Virginia. Uh, sometimes people listen from Florida. It's all over the place. But just the idea of sharing. And Nell commenting about this woman, Jesus came not to condemn but to give life. And this is true. And, and he does say, I didn't come to condemn the world, but through me people might have eternal life. And yet, here's the reality. People will condemn themselves. By not trusting in Jesus, people will end up condemning themselves. In fact, if we were to go back into John 3 and look at some verses that we didn't look at because uh, it wasn't necessarily part of the flow of the action that, that John was writing about, we'll go back into John chapter 3, uh, and, and we know these words, these famous words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And, and you can read through the rest of that, uh, John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, but but the idea whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. I mean, it, it is it is really, in essence, choosing uh, whether we'll be condemned or not is, is really our choice. 
God is offering to us eternal life. God is offering to us a spring of life welling up to eternal life. Uh, and we have to choose whether or not we will accept that eternal life. Now, in, in this narrative with this woman uh, in John chapter 4, he has just revealed to her things that he knows he doesn't condemn her. Uh, and, and then they, they will pick up and talk about uh, about worship a little bit. I'll, I'll come back to this. I, I want to jump down through. They have this dialogue. I'll come back to this tomorrow. Uh, and down at verse 27, she has just discovered and, and, and makes the uh, statement that, that he's the Messiah. And he says, yes, it is me. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, A, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Now, now I, I just to jump down, I'm trying to rush this too much, I think. All these people have come out, okay? I'm, I'm going to come back and teach more on this tomorrow. Uh, verse 35, he says this. Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one who sows and one who reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits. Uh, many in Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. We'll come back to this tomorrow, folks. There's, there's just so much in here that we can look at, that we can understand. But but the, the, the big thing this morning is to understand that there's a harvest out there, and we're invited into that harvest to point people to Jesus. That's the invitation that he is giving to the disciples. And we'll come back. There, there's so much in this passage that uh, we'll come back to tomorrow uh, and try to draw out some some more truth. Divine appointments. Uh a spring, of, a spring of water welling up to eternal life, that we would have that within us. Uh, that, that like Jesus, rather than bringing condemnation, may we bring the words of the gospel to people that they might believe. And if they choose to disbelieve, the condemnation is on them. But, but we need to bring to people the opportunity to believe. We, the church, need to confess our sins and believe that Jesus does forgive us. We need to then share this with each other and with the world, the forgiveness that is in Christ. Lord, help us. Forgive us for not accepting your word about your forgiveness of us sometimes. We continue to not be willing to forgive ourselves when you, the king of the universe, blessed are you, Lord, our God, king of the universe, who forgives us all our sins. If you, the king of the universe, forgive us our sins, help us to be able to forgive ourselves and to forgive others as well and to point to people who do not know Jesus, the forgiveness and the new life that is in Christ. Help us to see the harvest field. Those of us that are followers of yours, 
to pray for divine appointments, to watch you work, and then when you give us that appointment, to speak on your behalf. Give us boldness. Give us insight. Give us clarity. Give us your words of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And as has been closed out, Lord, hear our prayer. May you have divine appointments today as you seek to walk with Christ. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.